Welcome to My Friend Has Never Listened to a Podcast. This week, James and I were reviewing The Thing About Pam by NBC News and presented by Keith Morrison and his amazing podcasting voice. This is a story all about a woman who had potentially murdered up to three people. James and I for another episode of My Friend Has Never Listened to a Podcast. Welcome back, people. How are you going, James? I'm going good, Oz. I'm going good. How are you? All good. All good. Excited that this is going to be our last record of 2020. What have you been up to this week? This week, James, I have been fortunate enough to be listening to back-to-back podcasts, and I can tell you I have got so many good ones in the bank for 2021, buddy. Exciting, exciting, exciting. Well, I'm still unpacking our new house. We are finally starting to see a little bit of a home developing. Like, it wasn't there for a while. It was just boxes and boxes and boxes. But now we've got our new lounge suite in, and we've... Oh, if anyone can relate, my wife and I have been building paint by numbers furniture. What's that? What's it called? Flat, flat pack. pack. We've gone eight years without actually building flat pack furniture. I think and it this, should be a test before people get married, really. Yeah, well, you should have told me that two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we made it. We made it. But yeah, we, we listened this week to the thing about Pam. And yeah, you might have heard my um, welcome to my friend has never listened to a podcast voice because I was inspired by Keith Morrison. He has the most wicked podcasting voice probably that we've heard so far. Yeah, it's the same as Lester Holt, who does a lot of the Dateline for NBC Mm. as well. And their voices are just so addictive and soothing. It's like an old-timey podcaster voice. And it's like what I imagine you had to maybe fit within a certain profile back in the day to actually be able to do it. Yeah, to be a radio presenter. So in this podcast, be ready to be drawn into this world through this voice that that kind of commands your attention. It's it's yeah, Keith Morrison, such a good job narrating this podcast, and it's all about this lady called Pam. So Oz, before we get started, do you mind giving our listeners an overview of what the podcast is all about? Sure. So this podcast starts in December 2011 in Missouri, and we learn about the death, well, murder, of a lady called Elizabeth and her husband, as is always the first suspect. Mm is accused of murdering her. There was some circumstantial evidence against her husband, Russ. Mm. One of the main ones being that when he phoned 911, he said, I think my wife's killed herself, yet she'd actually been stabbed 56 times. So I'm not sure how when somebody's got a knife sticking out of their neck that you think that they've killed themselves. Anyway, through you learn all about in the first few episodes how Russ stands trial and even his ex-wife, his dead wife's family stand by him and his children stand by him and he pleads his innocence all the way through. He even had four alibis. And throughout the course of the rest of the podcast, you learn about this lady called Pam, who is obviously the center of this podcast because she was Elizabeth's best friend. And towards the end of the podcast, you learn about the other mysterious 
mysterious deaths that happen to people in Pam's life. So James, what did you think about Russ's conviction? Could you believe that somebody with four alibis could be convicted of murder? No, this, this just again proves that when police have an idea of what they think happened, they can create anything. The idea that police form in their heads, first and foremost, can almost make them a bit ignorant and blind to fact, to reality. So a dude who probably could have been seen on CCTV camera at multiple different places when the, when the murder was said to have taken place had, as you mentioned, multiple alibis from friends, family. He's supposed to be at a games night that night. He was at a, oh, sorry, I will say he was at a games night that night. Had driven, you know, multiple miles away from his home when this thing was said to have happened. And yet they can still tick all these boxes again, because you mentioned the profile in these cases tends to be the husband. Tends to be. You can go up statistics all you want. But if there's a, a solid alibi here, it almost seems like they just were blind and completely ignorant to the fact that something else could have been the case. And they were only really listening to the evidence provided to them that supported their case, which mm -hmm. interestingly came predominantly from this lady called Pam, who was describing how their marriage was actually failing and that... She knew this about them and had one time... So Elizabeth had actually confided in me and she told me that he'd covered her mouth with a pillow <laughs> and said like, yeah, I'll do this to you one day. And This like, is what it feels like to die. Oh, man. And the police kind of held on to that far more strongly than these four friends saying, no, no, he was at a games night with us. And what I found shocking, James, was... When they were in court, the prosecutor actually suggested that these four friends could have been in on the murder and they had actually said to, to Russ, yeah, you go and murder your wife now and then come back and we'll all cover for you. How ridiculous. <laughs> Why would four people agree to that when there's literally no benefit to them? Pam has a Karen haircut. I'm just going to put that out there right now. Pam's middle name is probably Karen, and I don't know, maybe Pam is um, some foreign language for Karen, but how could one lady's testimony rock all of these other people's character or credibility? You know, like one lady's testimony made police think that, what, five people decided to like be co-conspirators with this particular to murder? Like, what oh, did you God. think about Pam's performance when she was on the stand? Are you talking about the first time or the second time? <laughs> the first time I thought she was relatively convincing. I was like, okay, well, um, she's sitting up there and she's telling this kind of story. It's this, like this she was playing that game that we sometimes play with um, our clients, James, questions only questions. Oh. So I'll ask you a question and you can be Pam. How about that? But, but you're talking about the second time, right? Yeah. Because, yeah, at the beginning, she gets up there, she tells this kind of god-awful story, and the man goes to prison. I think that's the big thing that we need to talk, talk about here, how one lady's false confession can put a man in prison. And we see this happening time and time again, and it's like, come on, police officers, do your job, stop these kind of injustices from occurring by actually putting a little bit more thought and research into your cases. Like, it just frustrated me again because it was all about like blind ignorance that they just they wanted to believe what was the easiest and most probable thing for them in their head which wasn't actually what happened which was really frustrating do you know who i think did the best investigative work in this was russ's defense lawyer who once he was convicted felt so bad for him and was so convinced of his innocence went away and did all this research and found out that 
all of Elizabeth, who in the podcast is referred to as Betty, all of her life insurance had gone to Pam and Betty had asked her to give it to her daughters and she hadn't done that and had spent it herself. And it was the it was the defence lawyer who had to go away and discover all this. This is it. The police officers did, did not actually investigate where the life insurance was going to. And when they found out it was going to this lady that had come in and given them this kind of massive story about how Russ was a, you know, a murderer and how he'd had these murderous thoughts kind of previously. When then questioned about the reason that the money was going to her, well, oh, obviously she gave me the money. We worked together in the same insurance company and she just didn't trust Russ with the money for her children. So she's actually entrusted it to me so that I could ensure that it gets to her kids. Dun, dun, dun. This one lady seems to have these police wrapped around her little finger. Like it, it, Not for long though, James, because no, that defense no, lawyer was all over it. And hmm. he was also able to discover that there had been some crime scene photos which hadn't been disclosed, which we hmm. know is referred to as Brady material, if evidentiary material is not disclosed. And it was also really good to learn about a new criminal term, which I hadn't come across before, called a moody motion, was granted in Russ's case, which is where they can appeal the sentence, which is what they did with Russ, in order to present this new evidence with Pam and the insurance money not mm -hmm. going to her daughter's and the crime scene photos. And I think it was this instance where Pam was particularly belligerent when she was on the stand. So Ollie was talking before about this activity that we do where you would have seen whose line is it anyway. They talk about questions, only questions. It's having a conversation using only questions. She was so belligerent with the answering of these questions that it went something a little bit like this. So Pam, were you in a relationship with Betty? Why do you ask? Was it a sexual relationship? Would that be weird? How many times did you have sexual relations with Betty? Why do I need to tell you these things? So what they ended up doing is calling her a hostile witness because she would not answer the question at all. She was all. bouncing here, bouncing there, bouncing everywhere. And it's right now when you started to see... What at first was presented as quite a put-together facade mm -hmm. started to crack a little bit, yeah. and it all starts sort of crumbling down around her. So, so Russ is in jail while all this is taking place. They go back to court, and you have to give massive kudos and massive props to Russ's lawyer for actually ensuring that he got a fair trial, that he got to actually be in front of a judge and, and get the judge to hear his story, because... This didn't make sense. This lady who had come in at one stage in her initial interviews with the police, she'd been saying all these things. And I think what she forgot is that all this stuff's recorded. So when when they're asking her in court, why didn't you give the money to Elizabeth's daughter? She's like, I didn't have to. The money came to me. But you said in the interviews with the police that you were... I don't remember saying that. I don't remember yeah, saying that. I don't remember that. saying that. I don't remember saying that. It's like, and it's like, here's the tape of you saying that. You're on recording, mate. Like, <laughs> seriously. And what was really interesting is after Russ was released from prison and this defence attorney essentially had done all this background work on Pam, mm -hmm. then they got on board with the fact that maybe she is a very dangerous murderer because she then went on to murder someone else james in the worst possible circumstances it was well, disgusting well here's the thing just because russ was released didn't mean that pam went to prison so they're both out at the moment yeah. and there's a question mark around pam but she's not been proven nothing's been proven 
wasn't even taken to court at this stage, right? No. And technically could have been left here and Pam would have still got away with the murder of Elizabeth. Yeah. If nothing had, nothing had continued, if nothing had happened, Russ could have come out of jail. He could have gone on living his life. And technically she would have got away with this. Yeah. And she could have just gone on to live a happy life with her hundreds of thousands of dollars that she got from Pam's life insurance and Betty's life insurance. Ollie, I want to ask you, why do you reckon that stuff happens? Like, why do you reckon that the judicial system is set up in a way in the States that could allow something like that to actually occur? There is not enough evidence to even try and convict her. And then if there isn't enough evidence, then because of double jeopardy, they can't retry her. So they're better to wait until they've got some solid evidence against her, which is what they eventually did. Literally, I was sitting there thinking that that could have been the end of the story. Like mm. really sad. And probably in a lot of situations, it is, right? In, in other p- people's cases, that is the end of the story. And someone gets away with, with murder, essentially, because Russ isn't convicted of it, thankfully. But she tries to get him convicted of another murder. She was obsessed. She got desperate. She got really desperate at this point here. And she starts scrambling. And the podcast does a really good job of highlighting what it looks like when this world that she's created starts cracking and starts crumbling down around her. What desperate people do in these circumstances. She started demonstrating some cracked. I'm going to um, take some lines from Jamie Foxx right here. She started demonstrating some real crack-ish behavior. So her idea for how to get Russ back was to scour the downtrodden areas of her city. Like a trailer park. Trailer parks and where crack addicts live. Because in her mind, if she could find someone from that walk of life, they probably wouldn't be missed if they were dead. And so she started trying to get people to jump in her car and come back to her house with her. Come and babysit my children, which I don't have, or come and audition for this part in a movie because she was masquerading as Kathy, one of NBC's producers. The audacity, eh? And had actually said to people in the courtroom and people from the media, hey, tell Kathy I say what's up. Well, like, yeah. t- 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 basically tell... Kathy tell- I say hi. She was telling people that she was from NBC and that she was making a Dateline reenactment <laughs> and that she needed actors for this reenactment to actually take place, but she needed to audition them at her house first. So I imagine this creepy ass lady just like driving the streets around this trailer park area, doing slow drive-bys. And thankfully this lady called the police and we now can visualize what was actually occurring, that she was doing these slow drive-bys because sadly she got a gentleman to her car. She got him back to her house. Hold on, before she got him back to her house, she went to a particular shop, James, that we hear quite a lot in podcasts. Which shop did she go to? Well, I'm going (laughs) to give our listeners a bit of a, a chance to guess. So she went to a shop that you can buy electronics from in the United States that we may have talked about in a number of other podcasts, particularly one involving an unsolved murder that we looked at at around episode 14, ringing any bells, people, and Nan Saeed, where the payphone was. <laughs> We're talking about Best Buy. What a dangerous car park. I know, I know, I know. Very, very dangerous. Um, I, I don't think I'm going to visit a Best Buy when I go to the States. No, I don't think I've ever been to one. And I don't think I will ever go to one based on how many people either get murdered there or how many people go there just before they kill someone. And I'll picked up on CCTV camera. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I think 2020 we might be a little bit safer than when this kind of stuff went down. But yeah. The thing about Pam is that at this point here, she then brings this guy around to her house and tries to 
Make it look like he tried to kill her. Whilst on the phone to 911. It is the most horrific, re- like, in it, like, it is. As the- an actor, James, how much does it pain you to listen to her attempt to being murdered live on the phone? I think if you were trying to compare it to acting, <laughs> you might think of a degrade horror movie. You know, those real, they're so, they're so bad that they're good, like <laughs> horror movies, because you just can't believe that someone would think that anyone would believe this as yeah give us a go ollie give us give us your interpretation of pam on the phone to oh i was going to be the 911 operator okay well sure i'll be pam go okay bearing in mind just a note for our listeners 911 calls are recorded from the beginning and there's complete silence for about three seconds until the 911 operator says 911 what's your emergency help 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 he's Where, trying to what's kill your me. address ma'am he's trying to kill me he's, ah, he's trying to kill me ah, he's trying what's to kill the emergency me. bang bang where are you and those bang bangs were pam <laughs> shooting the dude that she was, oh, it was honestly the most horrific it was that bad people you have to check it out it's in one of the later episodes it is horrific it was worse it was even worse than that if that's it was worse possible. than our acting yeah while she was murdering this poor gentleman who had come to her house to be auditioned for a Dateline acting position, and one of the really strong pieces of evidence against Pam in this particular situation was she had already paid him $600, for example. And with those $600, there was a note that said, from Ross, which is just nobody writes their name on a piece of paper when they're about to get a contract killer. So she was trying to stage a scene to make it look like Ross had paid somebody $600 to kill her when actually she had staged the whole thing. What an evil toad. Oh, seriously. The thing is, though, the serial numbers on these banknotes lined up to banknotes that Pam had in her purse that she had withdrawn the day before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She was not a criminal mastermind. No, like, sure. I think I think at the beginning of the podcast, they tried to paint her out as, as one. <laughs> and, and you might believe it, right, at the beginning of the podcast. But as, as it goes on, you just realise that she is just a desperate nobody. It's even suspected, when you <gasps> dig a little bit deeper, that she may have even murdered her mother before her all... Own- Mother. Before all of this stuff went down for her life insurance. Pushing her off a balcony. Here's again where police work has failed the system. Mm -hmm. Because if there was even the slightest suspicion that she might have killed her mother for life insurance, which there was, which had taken place... Half a mil. ...years previously, that she'd walked away with without any question. When they went back and started looking at the evidence around her mother's death, they actually did some tests on the balustrades... Um, because her mother is said to have basically broken these balustrades and and fallen from heights. Now, they did some testing on how much pressure would actually be required to break one of these balustrades. And a frail elderly lady did not have that capability. I'm sorry. like so. And she even hinted towards it when she was being interviewed about Betty's murder. And she said, if I was going to kill someone for life insurance, I will... I would have killed my mother because she was worth half a mil. And it's like, you did kill your mother for half a million. She actually told them this. And I think this is just where people become really cheeky, right? They start to to be so confident in their ability or the story that they're telling that it 
the audacity. That's all I can think of. Like, it's just, it's really audacious that people start spinning their own lie or incriminating themselves to unincriminate themselves. Is that what yeah. I'm looking for? She's yeah. just desperate. She was, I, I hate this idea that this man, Ross, who I genuinely have a lot of sympathy for because I feel as if his wife became friends with this absolute nutter and then his life was so badly affected by her actions. His wife was murdered. Then he went to prison for that murder because she framed him. Then he got released. Then she tried to frame him for another murder. And this scares me to death, James, that these nutters can sometimes implant themselves in your life through no fault of your own and basically try and ruin your entire existence just because mm. they are completely... I don't know. Was she obsessed with Ross? Did she hate Ross? I don't understand why somebody would spend their entire life trying to ruin somebody else's life. I think originally she was just very driven by money. That That's how I, I took it as like her being extremely driven by cash and by money. And then it was almost like vengeance when, mm. when her first plan got foiled and he got out of jail and there was suspicion around her. It was almost like she was going to make sure that he got what was coming to her because yeah. I think in her mind, the alternative was he might be her undoing, right? Like he might be the reason why she ends up behind bars. So she ended up just being this desperate Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Called Pam. The thing yeah, about Pam. The thing about Pam. So who would you recommend the thing about Pam to, James? I would recommend this podcast to people who like a good story, who like good twists and maybe a little bit of nostalgia in there as well in terms of the way that the story is told. Who would you recommend this podcast to, Ollie? I think anybody who enjoys psychological thrillers would get a lot out of the thing about Pam. And it is like a crime novel being told to you over, I think it's eight episodes. And it really reminded me a little bit of the K. Scarpetta novels by Patricia Cornwell, where different pieces of evidence are delivered over the course of the book. And then by the end, you're thinking, how did I not suspect Pam right in the beginning? She was the common theme throughout all these murders. So I really enjoyed it. It was a very lighthearted listen, considering mm. it is... It's quite a horrific topic. Yeah, three people died. Yeah, the way that it's told makes it seem so much more lighthearted than the mm. content actually is. Almost fictional. I think mm. if you'd written a book, your editor would have said, this is unbelievable, that would never happen, take it away. And a bit slapstick, do you reckon? Yeah. Like a little bit like... Help, help, I'm being murdered. Here we go again, <laughs> bang, bang. There's a man here, he's trying to kill me, bang, bang. It was brilliant. <laughs> Want to give a massive shout out and thank you to Keith Morrison and the entire team at NBC for bringing together The Thing About Pam. You did a fantastic job in the making of this podcast. And thanks for granting us exclusive access to original content for the making of our podcast. So Ollie, we know you listen to loads of podcasts and as you mentioned earlier, more recently, you've been able to listen to more of them because we brought an editor on. Yes, so tell me about what else is happening. What else are you listening to in Ollie's Corner? It's been really hard, James, because some of the podcasts I've been listening to, I want to give them to you as recommendations. Mm -hmm. However, they don't fit our genre, as in whole stories, but I know you would love them. Okay. So one of them is called Heavyweight by Gimlet. I love Gimlet. Gimlet 
produce so many amazing podcasts. This one will not disappoint. It's presented by a hilarious gentleman called Jonathan Goldstein. And over the course of the five series, he goes back and helps people make up for past events that they've never been able to let go of. And the reason it's called Heavyweight is because he finds these people who have essentially been carrying around a weight with them their entire life or an issue or something that's bothered them and he helps them resolve that issue and the range of stories is phenomenal so in some cases he brings together people who haven't spoken to their brother for nearly 50 years in another one he goes and visits Moby to get a cd back because this guy that Moby 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 yeah oh cool um because this CD had been the springboard for Moby's career. And then Moby is on the podcast talking about how it really was the springboard for his career. So even as far back as people who were bullied at school, he'll help that person go back to find these bullies so they can confront them and say, why did you pick on me my oh, entire... Wow. And it's so moving James to hear how some people have had a very small event in their life impacts mm. them all the way through their life yeah. and also really heartwarming to see people like Moby and people who were bullies then talk about why they did it and how sorry they are and how they didn't either realize what a big impact it had had or were too ashamed to ever say sorry. And it's phenomenal, James. It's so beautifully made. And if you have any spare time over Christmas, I highly recommend Heavyweight by Gimlet. And what I love is in every single opening of the podcast, Jonathan phones his friend, Dr. Jackie Cohen, and she never wants to talk to him. So she's always like, hey, Jonathan, what do you need? And he's like, hi, Jackie. And she's like, I'm busy. And he's like, do you want to play Truth or Dare? And she's like, no. And then she always hangs up on him. And it's such an it's such an innovative way to open every single podcast with this phone call to somebody who doesn't want to speak to him. And he is hilarious. You will love Jonathan's <laughs> humor, James, because it's all satire and he's very dry. Yeah, cool. No, I'm so keen. I'll at least give a, a couple of episodes a listen because um, I've got spare time over the Christmas <laughs> period and I don't have any specific podcast to be listening to. Um, no, so that's cool. So uh, for our other listeners who are like Ollie and just absorb content, uh, something you can add to your library over the next couple of weeks is... Heavyweight by Gimlet. And there's five seasons to be cracking on with that. It was obviously a day's worth of listening for me. Yeah, I was going to say, so Ollie knocked it over in a day. Mm -hmm. um, what else you got, Ollie? What, what about for us this week? So, James, we just heard Pam's extremely bad acting attempt in The Thing About Pam. This week, I thought with that same theme, we would do a review of a podcast called Chameleon the Hollywood Con Queen. Ah, oh, you've, you've sold me. So this is a campsite media production and it's presented by Josh Dean and Vanessa Gregoriadis. It's the story of exactly that, a Hollywood con queen. So somebody who cons Hollywood actors come to a, do come things a, come a, come a <laughs> that you would not expect. And James, this chameleon is going to blow your mind. Oh yes, I'm getting I'm getting snowball vibes, mm -hmm. but uh, maybe bigger levels. I'm thinking, yeah, um, 
Cool. I'm so excited. That sounds awesome. There's 11 episodes in total. I think there might be a few more than that because there's epilogues and chapters 9.5, but they're all about half an hour long. So I'm sure you'll knock it over in no time. And I am super confident that you are going to love this story because it had me on the edge of my seat and thinking, is this what actors actually have to go through? Would I actually do that if I was in their situation? How scared would I be if that happened to me? And it is phenomenal. And the again, the investigative work done is just fantastic. Chameleon. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm literally downloading it now. Chameleon, Hollywood, Con Queen. Sick. I love this. And you've, you've taken us to Hollywood. So thank you very much for that. I was like, oh, you're going to go all over. You're going to go to Indonesia. You're going to go to Thailand. You're going to go all over the world with this one, James. All right, listen. So if you're, if you're on the journey with me with this week, we're going to listen to Chameleon, Hollywood Con Queen by Campside Media. And as Ollie mentioned, there are about 12 episodes. So um, settle in, people. This is going to be fun. Come, 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 <laughs> That is not played at all throughout that podcast, oh, James, probably, so don't they, get excited. They probably couldn't get the rights. Thanks, boy, George. <laughs> well, um, as always, Ollie, a massive thank you for the thing about Pam. It was a really, really good listen. And I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Well, we listened to and reviewed The Thing About Pam by NBC. As always, if any of our listeners want to keep in touch with James and I, you can find us on all of our socials. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also drop us an email at myfriendhasnever at gmail.com. As always, a huge thank you to MJ from Multidesign for our theme music. And a huge thank you to our editor, Jeff May. All right, James, I'll talk to you on the other side. I'll talk to you on the other side, buddy. <laughs>